Hello, dirty devils. That's right. It's another episode of Trayvon. Trayvon. I'm Trayvon. We might be sounding a little bit different to you guys today because, well, guess what? We're in lockdown. And We're this in... is a very oh. special episode. Don't interrupt <laughs> me, Dad. How dare you, Derby? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's all gone to shit. <laughs> I haven't introduced you yet. You don't exist. This Please. is a very special episode. This is our first go at a video recorded episode with all three of us coming to you from our own homes, spread right across the lovely boxes. city of Sydney in our own little boxes. Um, look, my name is Jake Spear and I am joined, as always, by my two best buds, Double O Derby Deck. Right and the one and only sound with the golden pun who has a, car, a gun, a car and a drink, the grand champion, the alpha and omega, the big daddy-o, the man, the myth, the legend, our MI6 expert in the field, Mr. Brandon McClelland. A little off book. R reporting for duty. There he is. There he is. Great. That's you all my titles time. that we earned in the um, in the special podcast that we've been doing that we haven't been releasing to listeners for the last eight yes, months. Yes, yes. Just for us. <laughs> we have been a little quiet, boys. Why is that? We have. Uh, um, I have been. I was enlisted by um, by the government of Australia to. Um, I had to circumnavigate the globe to find a cure. Uh, for Lyme disease, and uh, we did it. Well done. Really good yeah. on you. I think that has a, they came up with a, a cure, but I'm sure your work was important. I think you're thinking of lemons disease. <laughs> <laughs> Lyme disease. Up until now, there has not been a cure, but uh, we found it. Where did you find it? Where in the world did you find it? It was the last place you look. Um, oh. It was it was with my car keys and my wallet uh, and my oh, wallet. See? Hey. What are the chances? Buried People have missed this, haven't they? <laughs> uh, they certainly have, folks. We hope your week, as always, has been Trey Bond. Trey Bond. Before we get too far down the track, Brandon, what is our mission today? Ah, Jake. I'm glad you asked that. Um, I've got I've it in my hand. I've been running the running order today. What's that? Yeah, yeah mate, I'm on fire. Yeah, I'm you're very good. Fire. Yeah, this is um, this is strange. Well, look, it's 1959's Gold Fingies. Oh, I think I read a different one. Oh. 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 Well, that's. Well, we'll see Jake, if they you, line up. Did you read? No, I can't read. Uh, you can't I, read. That's I right. still haven't learnt. I haven't used yeah. my time in lockdown wisely. I'm still yeah. illiterate. So I listened to the audible recording. Uh, read by Hugh Bonneville, which was very nice. I listened to the last uh, three chapters on Audible. <laughs> Did you? <laughs> While I was playing Grand Theft Auto reading. Online. <laughs> <laughs> Did, did listening to uh, Hugh Bonneville and Goldfinger influence the way you were playing GTA Five? Did 100%. you all of a sudden? Yes. <laughs> I literally my my organize. I've started a, the business, the crew that you have to start in Grand Theft Auto is called Universal Exports. Oh my god! And so now I've got like a document forging business that's called uh, the Hildebrand Rarities. Like I've just gone full <laughs> Bondian kind of ridiculousness. Oh, that's fantastic. Gentlemen, yes. what? 
What, do you hear that? Oh, I do declare it's fan mail. That's right. It's it's fan mail. It's fan mail. Fan it's been mail. so long since we've had fan mail. And, Jeez, and I bet it's banked right up. There's so many. We got five. <laughs> five in eight months. Our, so, oh our, our mailroom clerks cannot handle this intake. Oh, I know. Mail doesn't stop. Um, so our, our first email is from Joshua Malta, and it's called Quantum of Solace Reimagined. Hi again, boys. During your completely understandable hiatus, I had a lot of time to let my Bond musings run rampant, and I kept coming back to one question that I realised could be fun to explore on the pod. I'm sure you have your own great answers for it already. Here is his question. If there was one entirely inconsequential thing in the entire Bond franchise you could change, what would it be? His answer is he would change another way to die over the titles in Quantum. He has no problem with Alicia Keys or Jack White individually, but the vocal mix on that octave harmony in the chorus is like oil and vinegar. They cannot blend, and it pulls me out of the entire experience like nothing else in the franchise. Pigeon double take is totally fine by comparison, in my opinion. His opinion, not mine. I've always hated it, but it wasn't until recently that I found a potential replacement. I stumbled on to this song by the now elderly Aaron Neville that just oozes Bond, Brassy, Bassy. Bassy. Called the Bondulance. And on a whim, I used some incredibly basic video editing software to switch out the bad song for the good one. Here's the crazy part. It worked out way better than I could have possibly intended. Like it should not work this well at all. I am going to play it. Uh, I realise this isn't exactly great for the podcast medium. So he's got he's covering me here. I realise this isn't exactly great for the podcast medium, but I thought you three would enjoy it. And if you like it, feel free to share. Trey Bondingly, yours, trademark, Josh from Brooklyn. And allow me now to play for you a little bit of that thing. It's time to get out. Quite well. 
I think so. What was he picturing it being played under? Quantum of Solace. Quantum of Solace. Mm. As the title sequence song. Yeah. He did mm. attach his own version of it where the 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 title sequence was playing <laughs> underneath yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Um, but it would not open in the OneDrive link that he sent. So uh, maybe I'll put it in the podcast and uh, maybe I won't. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's quite good. What would yours be? Do you have an... In- I don't think that's really an inconsequential thing to change. I guess it's in- inconsequential to the plot of that film, but that's a massive change, I would argue. You're going to change film. a Bond song to a movie? Like, the Bond song... Well, he said if is... you can change anything, or does it have to be something... In, he in, said in if there was one entirely inconsequential thing in the entire Bond franchise you could change, what would That's it be? Quite specific. Yeah, I would see him in court <laughs> on this. I think he could be sued for this. I think I'd take him to court. Yeah. I because if he wants to know keys. what... I, I mean, my change would be quite consequential. I oh. think I think I would. I think I would. <laughs> the thing that I would change about the franchise is... Uh, is 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 give Laserby a second go, get Connery out of diamonds, put Laserby in diamonds. Oh. Then I think you've just got a, a, a better, better body of work. Do you make the same film, or is it a is it a different oh, film? I think there'd be some natural deviations. Yes, they'd be pretty natural. <laughs> that as long as you keep Blofeld in drag, I'm fine. <laughs> yeah, yes, keep that in. That'll stay. <laughs> Inconsequential. Yeah. What, uh, what could be inconsequential? Oh, look, I, 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 think th- I think throw inconsequential out. <laughs> <laughs> I, the, what one thing would you change, I think, is essentially it. Yeah, right. Oh, God. Um, Jaws returning in Moonraker. Ooh. Get rid of that. Yeah. See, again, consequential, that. but... I, yeah, I, w- I would allow it. Look, mine's actually about Quantum of Solace. Um, mm. Mine would would be, uh, oh boy, it's a it's a dead heat for me. You either put No Good About Goodbyes as the title song by Shirley Bassey and and David Arnold for Quantum of Solace, or oh, so you do the exact same thing as as yeah, old or or Katie <laughs> or Katie Lang's. Surrender is the title sequence song and Sheryl Crow's song is the end title song. 100%. That's exactly what I was going to add. If we go down this line of changing Bond songs, Surrender yeah. is in. Yeah, it's a big switch. And you don't have to get rid of Cheryl, but shy Cheryl, up the back. Up the back, shy Cheryl. In tomorrow. In tomorrow yeah, in tomorrow. Yeah yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. All right, well, thank you, Josh from Brooklyn. Um, Thanks. For your inconsequential... Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Oh, Brooklyn. Yes. Okay. Thank you for Is your... Is that the one up the north coast? Uh, it could be. Oh, yeah, there's a Brooklyn near Manly. Yeah, there I'm, is. I'm sure that's where he's riding from. That's where it is. <laughs> it's the only famous Brooklyn. About two hours north of here. <laughs> and the only famous Brooklyn with a bridge. All right, we've got another one. It's called Bond Stuff uh, from oh. Alexander Flamenco. Oh, wow. Hi, Trey Bond. Bond. I hope you guys are doing well despite the challenging situation in New South Wales. In what the have sp- you doing? <laughs> yeah, it's been fine. In the spirit of sharing Bond stuff, I thought I'd pass along two photos that you may, may find interesting. Again, I'm going to have to send this through to you because we're not in the same room. Uh, number one, while sifting through the music section at a thrift store... 
I came across a CD of the Bond themes performed by the Golden State Orchestra. I'm not sure if this is an official release, but you'd probably have a better idea than me. The album cover highlights in a not-so-subtle manner a very particular aspect of the Bond franchise. Uh, how do I find oh it? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> in the messages oh. up the top top left oh god yeah <laughs> they really highlight a um, particular aspect don't they a, uh, <laughs> i don't know where they got that logo from unlicensed yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what's this nightfire one uh so and then he says number two i decided to purchase and refurbish a ps2 back in january after the province wow. of quebec introduced a strict lockdown uh, and i managed to pick up a copy of 007 nightfire i took a photo of the game booklet since it gives a glimpse of the french canadian release not sure anyone has what it takes to incarnate bond if we take the literal translation <laughs> take care and i look forward to your next episodes would love to hear you guys review nightfire if you are planning to continue the game reviews in near future much love from montreal Alexander. Aha. We will when we can, when yes. we're able. Quantum Asylum yeah, was a big nope. Yeah, that's yeah, a failed, shame. Failed I'm mission. very keen to explore these games, and Nightfire keeps getting Nightfire's... brought up again and again yeah. and again, and I've never played it. Mm. How are we going to play it? We're going to have to recondition a PS2 of our own. We must. Yeah. We Maybe that's our next thing. We refurbish old game consoles. There's a podcast in that. Yeah. There's definitely a podcast in there. Everything is content. <laughs> Always be streaming. That's it. All right, we've got one called Fan Mail is Forever. Ooh, this wow. is This is from another old friend. They've all been old friends. It's Techno Cryptic. Dear Jake, hey. dear Jake, Brandon and Darby, as the person who sent you your first piece of fan mail, that's canon, allow me to send you what might be your last question mark? Wait, excuse me? Oh, it's oh. poison! <laughs> Is that a fugu, threat? fugu fish! It's anthrax. Thanks for a wonderful 50 episodes of Trey Bond. I truly enjoyed developing an unhealthy parasocial relationship with you all throughout 2020. Every week, it feels like Likewise. I was there with you, a group of four best mates talking about Bond, but one of them is silent and no one acknowledges their existence. That's right. But seriously, your chemistry was evident and infectious from episode one, much like coronavirus. And it's what yeah. I, and probably the five other listeners, all right, First of all, we are the number one podcast in the world. Oh, Hender. Yes, we are. <laughs> we beat Joe Rogan every week. Every week. <laughs> we get these numbers. And we don't we even get... release new episodes. We're swimming we in the ratings. <laughs> Five listeners. How dare you? This uh, bloody guy. Anyway, keep, he rattles on. He kind of prattles on, really. Yeah. I think I've seen or heard just about every fact, tidbit, and opinion about the Bond franchise, so it was your friendship and humour that kept me subscribed. Was it? That's what we suspected. Yeah. I hope you're all well, and I hope you also continue to create things together, whatever that might be. For now, I'll satisfy myself with the cooperatives content. I found Trey hey. Bond by accident, as a Bond lover, but stayed because you were genuinely brilliant to listen to. Thank you, Scott. 
Thank you, Scott. Uh, thank Thanks, you, Scott. AKA Technocryptic. We we do have some more stuff coming. COVID has slowed us down. Yes. But it hasn't stopped us. Nothing. You, just, you just bloody wait. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's one from Jason Burnett. I, Oh, Sorry, yes. I see Technocryptic's uh, comments on YouTube all the time, and I just want to give him a little bonus point. Ooh. Oh. Ha have, have it noted. Just a bonus point. Bonus point for uh, Technocryptic. Bonus point. Point of order. Noted. Brilliant. Day player of the week? Maybe. Day, potentially. We'll have to call YouTube about that. Can you that. hear my chair creaking? Is that... Not at all. No, it's oh, just now your I old can. bones and joints. You can? All right. <laughs> uh, Jason Burnett says... Moonraker slash general comments. Gentleman. That's what he wrote. I've said One it before, <laughs> but I will say it again. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I love your show. Three more times. I need your show, and I am so glad you are back. Sadly, oh. I am a slow reader. So am I. I'm currently working <laughs> on Diamonds after having recently completed Moonraker. He's a very slow reader. <laughs> very slow reader. Jake doesn't even read. He, he, yeah, he's so a slow I don't listener. Know. I don't know how you're doing it. I'm marvelling at it. <laughs> like lightning. <laughs> I went back to listen to your Moonraker novel episode and you mentioned how wonderful you thought the scenes were that took place in Blades. And I believe Brandon asked if that longing for such a place existed in America. Those were yeah. by far all ex uh, capitalized, my favorite parts of the novel, and I think I can safely speak for all Americans when I say, yes, we want that kind of exclusivity within some aspect of our lives. <laughs> I frequently daydream about winning or earning, I guess, but more likely winning enough money to establish my own club, such as Blades. Uh, you three will have an established membership to come anytime you like, and I can't wait to see you there one day. Best wishes, Jason, Charlottesville, Virginia, US. You well, bloody deliver on that there, Jason. My, my, my. I can't wait to go to Charlottesville and go to this club. Yeah, we're going to What's the Burnett Club. Jason the Burnett. Burnett club I think got the, nice to the it. Burnett Club's good. Right. That's nice. Yeah, I'll see you at the Burnett. Yes. I I'll the, see you at the Burnett. I had steak at the Burnett. We'll play some cards at the Burnett. <laughs> I hope they don't burn it. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. This one is called uh, hashtag VBCX2020 hashtag payment from P who Camo. It's an invoice that you didn't what? pay. Invoice ID. Now. 360 Norton PC protection. Hello, consumer. Yeah. It is to inform you that oh, your yeah, buy... This one, this one <laughs> Sorry. I don't think is fan mail. I don't think this is fan mail. Let mate. me just finish might... here because I I know it's a strange name, but I, I think we should hear them out. It's not. It's the name, but it's also the subject and the opening line seems like it might be... Yeah, but be they've a... all been a bit weird, haven't they? <laughs> <laughs> So it is to inform you that you buy yearly product subscription for total all-round security and maintenance with us. The 360 Norton PC protection has been auto... Oh, it's fine. Yeah, this is an invoice. Are we going to be okay? Yeah, Do we're we need okay. To pay somebody That's something? an invoice. That's an invoice. We'll cut around that. That's yeah. that. So, yeah. so we've only got four fans. It was just four. four. It was just four. Just four. 
Oh. One every two months. Yeah, okay. Number one podcast in the world. That's more frequent than our episodes have been. Uh, it's 100% right. <laughs> <laughs> We Jeez, also, these guys really slacked off. We don't have Norton. <laughs> yeah, we don't but have we Norton. did 50. This so, is this is scam. This is scam. A scam. I don't remember signing up that's to Norton. Fishing. That's a phishing email. That's right. Go on fishing. Well, there you are. That's fan mail. Hey. Well, before we get too far down the track, I'd just like to say it's time for everyone's favourite segment. It's give the people what they, what want. they want. What they want. Oh, it's back. It's back, baby. Bigger and it's better been, than ever. Been on high A to us. But how, how long until people are going to see the, uh, the result of this one? Um, that's part of the game. Okay. That's, that's <laughs> one of the games. <laughs> oh, God. What is this going to be? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. We've got three contenders for you today for give the people what they want what game uh what original inspired trey bond official trademark uh game will you select for the next game the games you're going with the more of a game thing now more of a game more of a game feel today not just segments well yeah more of a game more it's a game right okay yeah 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 yeah, yeah. all right so here's here's number one for you Number one is called Bonds James Bonds. Oh boy. Bonds Bonds James Bonds. Right? Yep. Bond Bonds James Bonds. Let yes. me guess. Something to do with undies. Something no. to do with undies. Oh, no. All right. All right. No. You've impressed James me. James Bond. James Bond is it's not history. the only James Bond who has achieved great exploits. Oh. You must correctly guess these achievements of other James Bonds throughout history. Correctly <laughs> guess what? Wait, are the questions just going to be, what did James Bond do? He was an ornithologist. <laughs> no, he was or a if... rock climber. You're confusing him with yeah. James Bond. <laughs> James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly how the game is played. Or is every answer simply James, James Bond? James Bond? <laughs> <laughs> Who actually discovered a cure to penicillin? Oh, James oh, Bond. James Bond. James Bond. <laughs> Incorrect. It was... No, it was Ian Fleming. Incorrect. It was Alexander Fleming. A trick question. <laughs> Game number two. All right. How's this one for you? Mr. Moneypenny. Mr. Moneypenny. Mr. The money penny? No, Mr. As opposed to Miss. Yeah. This is a game of logistics and puzzle solving. Oh, dear. You must determine the current task, appointment, or whereabouts of MI6 staff members based on clues from Money Penny's daily diary. <laughs> You've got this what planned. Do you mean? You've got this planned. I've got no, this planned out to a team. This, this is a Hasbro style board game. This is a, this is a board game. It's <laughs> hey, look, I'm thinking long term. I'm thinking merch. I'm thinking a partnership with Mattel or Hasbro. Why is it Mr. Money Benny? Because it's, it's you guys doing it. Oh, I thought it was because it was you. Well, no, no, no. You guys have to kind of compete with are you as good as the greatest secretary of all time, Miss Money Penny? You have to become Mr. Money Penny. And you have to use the clues that are set out in her uh, journal 
her day her, her daily appointment booklet. About... You want to write this? Yeah, 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 yeah. A this full journal. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be like little clues for you to go, well, hang on, if he's here at this time and then he's having lunch here and then he's got a massage there and then he's at Blades here tonight, so where is he now? We're going to see this if we're doing (laughs) virtual stuff still. We'll we'll wing it. We'll figure it out. If it wins, it's got to get voted first. That's got to get voted for. It's true. Exactly. Might not. Tell you what might get voted in. Oh, yeah. This little ditty I like to call Pleasure in What I Eat. (laughs) What? Pleasure in what I eat. Okay, and it's a ditty. This is a no, this is a game. <laughs> yeah, sing it, right. sing a tune for us, sing a bar. <laughs> this is a game where you must correctly guess these Bondian meals based purely on a list of their ingredients. Oh what, guess the name of the meal. Yes. You have to no. guess what Bond meal it is based on the list of its ingredients. That's the game, Darby. I don't know any names of any meals. Pasta. <laughs> Spaghetti bolognese. Well, see, you'll have oh, yeah. to do a bit of research, won't you, if it gets voted in. Folks, that's give the people what they want. They're the three games. Number one, oh. Bonds, James Bonds. James Bonds With... throughout history. Yeah. Mr. Moneypenny. A game of logistics and puzzle solving. Mm. Extravagant. Oh, Bonds, James Bond, because there's more than one. Because there's more than one. Yes. I get it. Yes. I thought there was some sort of possession thing you were trying to... No, out. no apostrophes. <laughs> it's all plural. Gotcha, gotcha. Mr. Moneypenny is game number two. Game number three. Pleasure in what I eat. Which is a Bond quote from Casino Royale. Uh, well, it's I take great pleasure a ridiculous pleasure yes 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 well you know do you think you can't fit that as a title actually on that if we're going just to workshop a title here (laughs) (laughs) yeah pleasure in what i eat uh i don't see how that relates to the game because essentially we're playing recipe guesser recipe guesser that's a good name that's a terrible name. Well, it's not Bondian. Yes. <laughs> it's not a terrible name. I'll see you in court. <laughs> no, the titles merely allude to the general theme of the game. Right. In this Dave, case, are we going to talk about the fact that you're in a Sinead O'Connor clip? <laughs> <laughs> no, we can't at all. This is... This is my... keep seeing your hands come in and they're just these like fleshy sort of floating things. Floating in space. It's a drama school movement piece. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been studying French mime. In All right, are we done with that? The people yeah. vote on the theme? So All right. that's what's on the cards. I want to I wanna see some votes and we're going to figure episode... out which game we're going to play. 0054 sometime <laughs> next year. Yeah, coming, <laughs> coming to a cinema near you. <laughs> All right, well, gents, look, bloody, here's one for you. Oh, it's going to be so hard to sledge and interrupt with this delay. Yeah, yeah I'll make you feel really bad about it if you do it. So. That's true. Yeah. All right, previously on Death by Otto's Fixation, having chased Otto Doss and the Scandexan up a twisting mountain path in a desperate attempt to rescue Patricia and her new friend, the Queen. Uh, and this is a really good episode, actually, I, I must say. Brandon's Chapter 11 of Death by Otto's Fixation. Oh, thank you very if we much. were to do a, a ranking episode of the chapters, that would be up there for me. Oh, it's come, good. come, Mr. Bond. So, listen, me 0052, too. give it a listen. It's, that's a plug. 
that's an inside plug. All right. Um, but James Bond arrives too late as the group take off in a helicopter. Then he goes and jumps off a bloody cliff and he, he grabs onto the landing strut of the helicopter. And then Patricia, you all remember Patricia, of course, uh, she uses the distraction to slit the throat of the Scandexan. Uh, and then she tries, I don't know if she'd had flying experience, that was a bit vague, but she did a pretty good job of jumping in behind the controls uh, of the chopper. And so now inside the chopper, the Queen's been sedated at this point, um, Bond and Doss have a final tussle, but the Austrian is no match for the ruthless 00A agent. Back on safe ground and a, and a revived Queen Elizabeth II reveals her, satis uh, reveals, reveals her satisfaction with the success of Operation Royal Mail, a mission apparently involving the Admiral, who you'll remember uh, was suspected of some kind of treachery, collusion with DOS. Dirty um, the That's Dirty right. M. The Queen now permits James Bond to kill Otto Dus, DOS, which he duly does <laughs> by me. sending him off a cliff. <laughs> All right, and now currently on. And it was Chapter a really 12. great line. It was a really great line. Which one's that? I hope you can. How long can you hold your breath? And as he breath. kicks him <laughs> off. My other favourite line from that chapter is where the Queen walks out of the chopper and she goes, The saline swap was a simple <laughs> confidence trick. <laughs> you gotta listen to it. I'm telling you. Great episode. All right, this is the final chapter <gasps> of uh, Death by Otto's Fixation. My God. And the chapter title is An Epilogue with an Old Friend. Ooh. One week later, and Ian Fleming's James Bond 007 finds himself caught in traffic on the miserable, rain-soaked streets of London. A far sight from the tropical Cairns resort he'd been lounging in with Patricia since the ghastly affair with Otto Doss. All expenses paid by good old Lizzie, of course. Despite the dreary weather, he was happy to be out of Australia and home at last, and truth be told, more than a little relieved to be done with Patricia's unfortunate accent. Having landed at Heathrow only a few hours prior, he was on his way to the office to see M. It would, it would mark his first appearance at MI6 since before the Roxbury incident, and he quietly expected a hero's welcome. Of course, M had some serious explaining to do, but Bond's unwavering faith in the old coot meant he would have some solid answers soon. For now, <coughs> for now, he allowed himself to stare lazily out through the foggy passenger window at the many Londoners, at the many Londoners out facing the cold and the death. He breathed a deep breath. Now in M's office, and it seemed the weather was forcing a similarly reflective mood on the admir ad ad admirable, admirable admiral. <laughs> <laughs> he sat with his back to James, staring out through the wide picture frame windows being lashed with wind and rain. He turned to face Bond now, resolve gathered. It's good to see you, James. Likewise, Admiral, as ever. You seem to have made the Queen very happy. All part of the job, sir. You know, they wanted to give you the Order of Australia, of course. Her Majesty was all for it. I had to remind her, of course, that it wouldn't be in the Crown's best interest. You're the last double O now, of course. Understood, sir. Bond could, Bond could sense M's thoughts drifting to the rain once more. I guess I owe you an explanation. James waited, patient and kind. 
You see, we've lost contact. When we lost contact with the double O's back at the Red Slug Raid, we feared the worst. Doss got in touch and he confirmed our fears and he wanted to talk with me. You see, James, in exchange for his safe passage to Australia, he offered me something unlikely, something I couldn't refuse. In that moment and in your absence, I thought to myself, what would 007 do? Bon was confused, hoping the fog surrounding the old man's ramblings would soon clear. M could sense this now and his eyes took on a darker stare. Perhaps it's best if I just show you. They got a uh, cut. There's a cut here. Oh, yes. They got out of the elevator at the basement level, M leading the way down a long corridor. He was silent, working, walking, working, walking, with a purposeful stride that for some reason felt ominous as it bounced off the concrete walls. They came to a thick steel door, not a stick steel door, right at the end of the corridor, an armed guard stationed outside. James hadn't spent much time in the MI6 basement, but he'd heard whispers of its true purpose besides storing archived files. It had earned the nickname the dungeon for a reason. The guard moved aside quickly for him and Bond, swiping his electronic pass and swinging the big door open. My dear James, what a pleasure indeed. Bond's mouth fell open, standing on the other side of the thick plexiglass, dressed in gray prison pajamas and hands tightly cuffed, mm -hmm. was none other than Redwood Rocks. <laughs> Oh, you wouldn't believe where I've been. <laughs> and that's it. Oh, get oh. out of here. <laughs> get out of here. Oh, no. <laughs> this son of a bitch. <laughs> Three word review. The big bad all along. <laughs> oh, Three word reviews. Okay. I've got one. We'd fixed this. <laughs> oh. I've got four words for you. Can't do it. Get rid Why of not? One. Get rid of, Get rid of, of one. one out. Had such promise. Ooh. What was the word you were going to have? What word did you Stop. drop? <laughs> It. <laughs> it? Oh, come it, on. It, it had, How it did had you not know promise. to drop that word? Well, it was either that or promise. <laughs> it had so. <laughs> no, it had much. It had such. It had such. It could have been that. Oh. Well, Jake, you get to start the next book, mate. Oh, Ooh, wow. that's very dangerous, Darby. That's a lot of. <laughs> Look, I his last line because there was a lot of there was a lot of laughing. His last line. His last line. He said, "You wouldn't believe where I've been." Yes, I heard that. Yes. And I, How? I don't know what you're trying to Bending do here, the Darby. You Bending are the timelines. Marvel can do it. <laughs> you know the multiverse. <laughs> Yeah. Enter the Trayvonverse. Yeah. This We're, is the Trayvonverse. That's I guess that's what we are. The ties that bind, whatever this this long saga is, it's essentially just we are to the Bond cinematic universe what Loki 
and it's one div- we're the Loki and one division of the Bond universe. Just with no official ties. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But we yeah, do exactly. directly affect what happens in the cinematic universe. In They're listening. Consequential. They are listening. Number one yeah. podcast in the world. Hello, Barbara. Hello, everyone. <laughs> the Prime Minister of Thailand, the President of the Ukraine. I mean, everyone is listening. Everyone's here. And I got to say, guys, don't be afraid to write in. We want yeah, to hear use from the you. official channels. Yeah. Uh, there's yes. only five of you, apparently. Apparently. But if you each, there should be enough. If you just keep like Technocryptic, just yeah. keep sending in more messages. Every day. And then Tell us how your day's like been. Yeah, more more people. Yeah, I want to hear a I want to hear a fan mail of like just a day in the life of someone. Hmm. I don't, hey Trayvon, I woke up this morning at seven a.m. I had burnt toast and marmalade and a, a glass of milk, and uh, I woke up my cat, and yeah, then no, I, I, don't I think went this, to work. Yeah, no, leave that. I don't didn't mind that though. You didn't. Uh... I think the best, th- the thing that could have been changed though, is if they had woken up and had scrambled eggs. You know, keep it Bond related, I guess. Just make sure if your day is about Bond, tell me all about it. Yeah. Hey, that's just my two cents. What do I know? I'm just one of the co-hosts of the most listened podcast uh, in the world. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're moving on to this this little baby oh, I, is okay. that okay i'm not even sure if that's okay for it needs to be some censoring there i got some bullet holes in mine oh speed holes in a high high speed chase it's been annoying because a lot of words on the pages are missing but oh, no, uh, it's a bit, they've been shot out goes, come. that's right <laughs> uh well we didn't do a preconceived notions for this one. We just kind of dove in, didn't we? We did. Dubbed. We dubbed. We dubbed, we dubbed in. Um, so let me read the back of the uh, of the Penguin Classics edition. Well, do you have any? Do you have any preconceived notions before we? Uh, my, my I've got, I've got some preconceived. Oh yeah, go go. Because mine is way too coloured by the fact that I've read it now. Well, no, see, this isn't about the book. Oh. Well, it is about the book. I get you. I think. I think that Brandon loved this shit. <laughs> oh. oh yes, well, that's my only preconceived notion. The yeah. whole way through, I was going, "This is this is this is a Brandon. <laughs> this, one, this one's a Brandon." <laughs> I thought that I before I picked this book up, I was I was you didn't hoping... pick it up, Jay. You didn't pick up any. You haven't picked up a book since high school. I picked up <laughs> <laughs> the last. Last book I picked up was Run, Spot, Run, and it took me about six months to get through. It's a tome. Um, but I picked up my iPhone and I logged into my Audible account and I downloaded the audiobook for Goldfinger. And before I did that, I thought, geez, I hope this is going to be good because it's been a long time since I've uh, been immersed in, a, in an Ian Fleming novel. Well, it's and... just on that. What because we didn't like Doctor No. Not so much, no. That was the last one. We were a little cold, but we did like From Russia, the one prior. Yeah. Did enjoy From Russia. I think Where I've would liked we be all on the this? odds. I've liked all the odds and I haven't liked all the evens. I like the really, yeah, that's a pretty good. I go the thing on that off, sticks on in my off head. For me. It's Jake, just stop. 
Shut the what? fuck up! Excuse me, I cannot both of you. Literally, I just have something I'd like to add to the conversation. Please go. No. That Harry. is, I just cannot shake how much I hated diamonds. Diamonds. Oh, You're still stuck on yeah. diamonds. That was a while ago. I'm surprised you remember it. I know. Well, I don't really. I just remember the feeling that I had, which was like hate. And um, this the one with the spangled, the spangled gang. The spangled the spang, gang. The spang gang. Yeah, and the big, yeah. the, the western, kooky western town. Yeah, yeah, yeah with the locomotive. Spectacular. Yeah, I didn't care for that very much. Mm. Yeah, yeah. But I had a good feeling about this one. I was just, I was hoping more than anything, but think you would be onto something there brendo with your with your odds the only contrary point is that i didn't mind live and let die but i think i just have a bit of a soft spot because of its tone that's right yes yeah i wasn't yeah. as hot on live and let die yeah yeah but it's still a lesser one whereas you're right casino royale great live and let die uh, moonraker fantastic diamonds not so good Polish from it. russia from For russia fantastic dr no probably the weakest maybe tied with diamonds so oh, far diamonds is still so, my least favorite i hated yeah. diamonds so much we're, we're on an odd we're on an odd we number. are on an odd i will say funnily enough jake's uh PC I look good and... from this thing. oh you look great yeah it's very nice i think everyone looks good from that angle <laughs> think of a Brandon, you don't uh, seem to be able to do it the trademark uh, book book club <laughs> it's gold figure. It's already gold figure. Yeah. Um, I was nervous about the fact that that this book is pretty much entirely set in America. That was making me nervous because I remember Ian Fleming, his previous Americanisms have been atrocious, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I yeah. could do another one. Um, yeah. Only the back. Only the back part is set in America, is it? Pretty much. Yeah. And the the front yeah, yeah. as well, I guess. Oh, yeah. At yeah. the Fontainebleau. Yeah, Fontaine. Florida. Yeah. Um, well, let me read you the back of the, uh, the Penguin Classic. Please do. Auric Goldfinger. Cruel, clever, frustratingly careful. A cheat at Canasta and a crook on a massive scale in everyday life. The sort of man James Bond hates. So it's fortunate that Bond is the man charged by both the Bank of England and MI5 to discover what Goldfinger, the richest man in the country, intends to do with his ill-gotten gains, and what his connection is with Smirsch, the feared Soviet spy-killing corps. But once inside this deadly criminal's organisation, 007 finds that Goldfinger's schemes are more grandiose and lethal than anyone could have imagined. Not only is he planning the greatest gold robbery in history, but mass murder as well. Spoilers. Spoilers. That's a good, that's a good little it's a good blurb. blurb. I would buy that book if I was yeah. just him and that. Yeah. And Brandon, Brandon, what were the critics of the time saying? That's an excellent question. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for asking. Reviews of the time. <laughs> Writing in the the of the, 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 the we're gonna go back. Writing in the Observer, Maurice Richardson thought that quote 
Mr. Fleming seems to be leaving realism further and further behind and developing only in the direction of an atomic, sophisticated sapper. Uh, sapper, for anyone who doesn't know, is the guy that wrote the, jeez, um, what were they called? Bulldog Drummond novels. Those kind of young, young male adventure things full of, full of... Um, fascism <laughs> like the hardy the hardy boys uh, yeah but think more like fascist <laughs> like nazi nazi youth they hardy weren't boys. nazi he was he was british and i'm sure people will i'll get mail for this but he does he has been criticized since the end it's of world war ii uh yeah well it was after world war ii people started going what what is this <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, it, it's becoming more of an atomic sophisticated sapper and that Fleming even with his forked tongue 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 rather sticking right through his cheek remains maniacally readable in the Manchester maniacally readable yeah maniacally readable they were just throwing all sorts of adjectives at this review <laughs> in the Manchester Guardian Roy Perrault or Perrot observed that Goldfinger will not let Bond's close admirers down and that Fleming is again at his best when most sportingly Buchanish, as in the motoring pursuit across Europe. Uh, Buchanish, I think he means uh, Buchan, the, the writer who did those adventure stories like the, um, the 39 Steps. Just a fountain of knowledge. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yeah. A fountain <laughs> yeah, of knowledge. Expert in the field. Oh, look at Well, I've got to give you something to fact check. No, you don't. Yes, I do. He's not going to do it even if you... If you... <laughs> yes, he bloody will. There'll be a riot with the number one listen podcast in the world. <laughs> <laughs> don't fact check that, though. Um, <clears throat> he summarised the book by saying that it was hard to put down, but some of us wish we had the good taste just to try. Which I thought was there. I put it there. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a good little line. Ooh, Ooh. No, no, I'm a deviant. <laughs> uh, for the Times Literary Supplement, Michael ah, Robson favorite. wrote that I quote. I take mine every day. Yeah, me too. It's a big pill. Um, a new bond has emerged from these pages. An agent more relaxed, less promiscuous, less stagily muscular than of yore. Robson added that the story, too, is more relaxed and saw this as a positive development, but it did mean that although there are incidental displays of the virtuosity to which Mr. Fleming has accustomed us, accustomed us the narrative does not slip into Top Gear until Goldfinger unfolds his plan. And our good friend Anthony Boucher, writing for the New York Times, appeared to enjoy Goldfinger saying the whole preposterous fantasy strikes me as highly entertaining. And I want to just take a little bit of umbrage at Anthony Boucher. I know we're only halfway through these um, Bond novels, but there's this mystique around Anthony Boucher that he's some kind of like anti-Fleming, anti-Bond guy. Well, it's online too. He loves every one of these fucking books. (laughs) He's, he's more on him than we are. Not <laughs> uh, some sick. Yeah, someone. He's got a good publicist. We what we now. Say, sorry? What? What's that? 
What did Anthony say? Oh, he said uh, he said the whole preposterous fantasy strikes me as highly entertaining. All right. I've been meaner to ex-girlfriends. <laughs> you have. I have. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what this episode is no, for. No, that's true. <laughs> Jumping to the modern reviews. Jeez, people are good. Oh, God. I don't know. No, we'll keep it in. <laughs> Simon McDonald believes, uh, and that's reviews by Syme, by the way, believes that, quote, not only is Goldfinger a brilliant, enthralling spy novel capped with thrills, dastardly villains, and audacious action, but here, more than ever, 007 is presented as a complex individual, not just the callous, sardonic killer for queen and country, but a man who, like the rest of us, suffers from an inner turmoil, whose Get it together! Whose prospensity for death has darkened <laughs> his psyche. We <laughs> <coughs> have to really start the show, babe. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> Goldfinger is highly recommended for spy fans, anglophiles, and all retro-loving souls who wish they drove a Rolls-Royce Silver Ghost just like Auric Goldfinger wrote April Chase for Curled Up. And finally, That's a modern review. that is, yes, these have all been modern since the last one. <laughs> so just two. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> oh, it's hot in here, isn't it? <laughs> finally. The wonderful Calvin Dyson thought yeah, it was yeah. a good read and recommended it, but he found the homophobic and racist content in the novel to be very distasteful, although he did say uh just to be fair to him he was he said that the lack of irony in any of the kind of racist and homophobic homophobic moments he kind of went because there is no irony irony <laughs> irony in them <laughs> um, oh, they're just pretty flagrant well he yeah he kind of went it because they're so they just feel so like out there and said he's just like you can't take it seriously because you're just like this this man is a <laughs> Disgrace! I'm not going to be offended by this. He clearly has no wit. <laughs> he's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's a, a buffoon, an oaf. So that's what everyone else uh, reckoned. What do you reckon? Oh, do you really want to know? I do. <laughs> I, that's why we're here. Yeah. Look, I, I thought this was pretty damn good. I'm with you. I'm with you. Look I thought this was a pretty damn good read. Fellas, we're back and it's three for three. I thought this was pretty oh. good. Oh. Pretty damn good. I thought it was what pretty good. Uh, yeah. This week, yeah, that was easy. Top five next week. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I did. I thought this was good. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It's um, It took me by surprise, I think. And uh, yeah. I was very hesitant to pick up another one of these. Mm. Really? I thought uh, after Dr. No, even though we'd had some negative negative experiences prior, after Dr. No, I really was done. I really felt a little bit like, ah, yeah. I don't know if I can do more of this. I, I think it's kind of given me everything. And although this one to me felt a little bit like... Um, familiar in a sense that uh more formulaic from 
Ian Fleming than we'd probably seen before in that. But I don't know if that's just more because we're at the point now where we're quite familiar with these novels, you know what I mean? And with this, yeah. with the structure that he uses and whatnot. But I liked that. Yeah. He, he, um, I don't know. It just, it felt like a nice mature way into the story. And it felt like a bit of a palate cleanse after Dr. No. And it was, it didn't upset me all that much. There were a few racist, homophobic, more than, more than enough, um, this time around and I think you know the ire that I feel towards that is it just it gets more it is it's like Calvin says it's kind of like don't even know what to do when you read these comments it's, yeah it's like should I just ignore this can I ignore this is this like they're in they're, these statements are in no way important to the narrative but they are constant but yeah that's my <laughs> babbling immediate reaction <laughs> I think what I appreciated strong. so much about this one for me was that it was at least for the most part in the beginning, the way that I was sort of seduced into it was that it was a real detective story for me. It felt like a real detective bond. And I appreciated the slow burn aspect of figuring out who Goldfinger was. The fact that we start, you know, with Bond catching a plane and we get sort of the tail end of, of his last job, you know, this, the, the, the heroin kind of trade and all of this sort of stuff yeah. and, and running into the pont and this card game unraveling. And I think the familiar aspect for me came more so from really vivid images of the film, particularly when we got to the, the Fontainebleau and the, and the, um, Jill Masterton stuff. Uh, yeah. Jill Masterton stuff. Um, but there was some interesting stuff to begin with. I thought, oh, Bond in this was really quite prickly and terse from, from time to time. And it did feel different. I can't remember what a uh, critical reviewer said, that it did, did feel like a, a slightly different James Bond. There were times I was getting real flashes of like a, a modern Daniel Craig-esque kind of portrayal of the character. And then I'd be flashing back to a, a kind of classic suave Connery. But I think if I'm being honest, I have a feeling that I actually enjoyed the first half of the novel more so than I did the second half, even though that the climax was sort of driving to that end point. Those scenes at the, at the Fontainebleau and um, the golf game, Ooh, hell and, yeah. You know the the meal with with Dupont and everything like that. I was just I was really in love with that kind of stuff. And for me, I haven't read a great deal of spy novels, um, whether you know Macare or, or you know Fleming's um, contemporaries or otherwise more more modern spy novels. So all I'm really speaking to is the fact that I've read a, a handful of other Fleming books. Um, but for me, I thought this was one of his better ones. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I thought the the first part of it, um, yes, before he got captured. Once he got captured, um, I, I, mercifully, it's actually very, very quick. It's the quickest he gets through. And like once he got captured, I was like, oh boy, we've got so much more to go. And then I was kind of like, oh no, I really don't. There's very little left in the book once he gets captured. Um, but uh, yeah, once he got captured, I was a bit like, yeah, 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 okay, sure, 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 sure. I remember the movie. Okay, let's let's keep yeah. going. Um, I yeah, the setup. 
very patient, wasn't it? The setup. Very, very patient. patient, kind of way into the story. And and for some reason, even though, you know, I expected to grow uh, tired with the patience it was taking because we knew where we were going to end up. But despite knowing that what Goldfinger's up to, and despite being a step ahead ahead of Bond, so to speak, it was still really enjoyable to see how he worked things out more in that detective sort of fashion. Yeah. Mm. I it, it's a funny thing when like as we've read a, a couple of times reviewers have said oh it's a very different bond like with different novels like I feel like there's this constant thread that keeps popping up for me where it's like oh he's a very different bond he's a very different bond isn't he and part I of me think so. uh, no because part of me thinks mm. the more I read these the more I kind of go bond isn't particularly complicated in these he's a very blank slate that I think particularly male readers put their own personality into. He gives you just enough of a little like thing to be like, have you ever felt like this? And then you go, yes, I have. Or if you yeah. haven't, it's you kind of go, oh, that's life. something else. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. this thing where yeah. he's, a, he's a good vessel for the audience that uh, I find. He doesn't, I never, re- and I think that's evident in the fact that I don't see the same bond from go to woe in in any of these stories i keep seeing either a fictionalized version i see myself sometimes i see roggy i see sean i see daniel like i see all of those kind of things um yeah i i, I don't know i not saying that is what fleming does but i i do find it strange that every time we go through these like contemporary reviews of the time they're always like oh so different and we're seeing such a new bond. And I was like, I, are we? I didn't think we no, were. I think, I think we've learned all we really can about bond at this point. Yeah. I think it's, yeah, he is a nice, he's a nice mirror for sure. I mean, the, the circumstance felt a little different, but at the same time, I really kind of, the way in was very much like Moonraker. I mean, I thought that yeah. was a little bit blatant, <laughs> to be honest, the fact that he was bringing another card cheating villain in, in a similar fashion, but he did approach it. That's why this one feels a little more mature because he did approach it with a different sort of. It was Bond wasn't so brash about, I guess, about trying to yeah. uncover what was going on. He was a little more playing the secret. But again, the thing is that I, I get a little frustrated with the Flemings, and I guess it's it's hard because I'm always kind of going, where does the reader sit in this sort of. Yeah. Um, in this transfer of knowledge and where does he want the reader to sit and i always find that bond either bond or one of the characters is too stupid and that is what frustrates me and in this one it was goldfinger oh. goldfinger was although we made great pains to to point out that he's very smart and cunning and yada 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 it's like if he's all those things what's he doing this for you know why doesn't he just kill bond yeah instead of keeping him around i could do you your know? taxes for you Really? (laughs) (laughs) I I could be your secretary. Hmm. That's pretty good, huh? (laughs) Yes, Mr. Bond, you should be my assistant. Exactly what I need. (laughs) Turn the table saw off. That was my (laughs) main... Yeah. That was my main thing, my main qualm. Where I was like, Bond is playing it well. He doesn't know more than he should. Yeah. And, and, And... and yeah, he's sitting in a pretty consistent level to the reader, 
Um, but yeah, Goldfinger, especially, look, I'm jumping around a bit, but also the constant expectation, uh, suspicion that he's a part of smirch even though they have no evidence yeah you know there's no actual evidence to suggest that he is part of smirch yeah. but fleming and m and bond all rely on this sort of idea that he he is they go straight smirch. to it oh he's they the wealthiest man in the world oh, all this gold business he must be funding smirch exactly like that yeah yeah but if that was the case wouldn't goldfinger have checked with smirch and seen if there was any man named james bond on there you know yeah which he yeah, does know, in like the last 10 pages the of the book yeah, it's like, the that's why you're on this plane mr bond yeah yeah yeah. it stunk a little bit to me that that side of the plotting but yeah but i appreciated it and stayed with the sort of patient approach and the you know the cookie crumb kind of following the, the cookie crumb trail really uh, there was a yeah. there was a big big part of me that kind of felt that 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 whole card cheating thing and and the oh it's Dupont from Casino Royale and they just cross paths and he's like oh I remember you you're bloody good at cards could you help me figure this that was cool I was that like was that's awesome. really cool and I was yeah. kind of hoping we didn't go back to MI six yeah because there was a big part of me going great give me even if this is just a short story give on, on me holiday. just this this story of he yeah. ran into that guy. And then I was reading that bloody um, Ian Fleming letters book, and yeah. that's what the he initially thought he didn't have an idea for a full story, and so he was like, was "Oh yeah, I just that. do this short story," and then he was like, "Oh well, that's the beginning of Goldfinger," and then he wrote all the other stuff after, um, okay. which I thought was strange. But I I I agree. the 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 thing of going back to M and MI five or MI six, whatever they're called. And then them being, oh, but it might be Smirsh and the Bank of England is trying to track this. I was like, that's so unnecessary. Like, I kind of loved the idea that he just bumped into this guy who was like, I'll pay you a lot of money. It had nothing to do with Smirsh. It would have been better. It would have been way better. Way better. Yeah. And I think that's something the movies do really well is that he's not involved in Spectre. Goldfinger is, is yeah. very much a standalone um, kind of character he he, he mm. operates in his own thing i also think goldfinger's yep. plot in the movie is way better than the plot that he has in the novel of ira plot. the irradiating yes. all the gold rather than trying yep. to steal it yeah, yeah. on that yeah. note there was again similarly to from russia and a few of the others but there's a lot of a lot of flemings of the movie inventions came from this book which i was pleased to to see a lot of the movie inventions odd I, jobs hat i was shocked odd by jobs that. hat odd, yeah. odd job in general was cool i thought <laughs> i kind of had a feeling odd job was going to be a movie invention that's Same. what i thought um, yeah but um there was a few things pussy galore i was surprised i thought she was also got especially because she was introduced so late in the game as well yeah um but yeah probably the coolest little adjustment was obviously our um our laser table is now a circular saw yeah which yeah. was uh, I would have preferred that in the movie, I think, because it's more gruesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, very actually. Messy. Yeah, but the irradiating the gold, you're right. That was, a, that was I kept, I was like, is this going to pop up? Or has he just got some stupid plan to barge in? Because it was a really kind of crazy plan. To yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was never going to work. Never going to work. Well, that's what, it goes yeah. back to your point of like, it just constantly in these Fleming books, you end up with someone doing something remarkably stupid 
and yeah. and completely out of character because it makes way more it makes zero sense to try and rob a bank and i know he's got that monologue of like look yes it's more fortified and all this kind of stuff but it is still a bank and all banks can be robbed you know sing sing can be broken out of even though they say it's you know impenetrable or inescapable and I was like, that's a cool monologue, and I like that, but you've got to have a better fucking plan. If your plan to rob Fort Knox is just, we poison everyone within 50 square miles with sarin <laughs> gas, yeah, because what and then we walk in and grab the gold. It's like, wh- where do you take it? What do you do with the gold yeah. afterwards? No one's going to get away. No. You know, you've got 50 trucks heading off in different directions. <laughs> you've got a yeah. train full of... It's like, it's, it's not going to happen, It's man. not going to happen. And he's, he's already one of the richest men in the world. Yeah. Yeah, it's a real, it was a real suicide mission. You've got you to gotta wonder if, if Goldfinger wanted out. Yeah. Maybe that's the secret backstory. <laughs> Goldfinger actually was up to his neck. Yeah. Uh, well, he'd done everything. He'd sprayed prostitutes gold. And then he was like, I've, I've been to the mountaintop. <laughs> There's nothing else. I've seen. I've seen everything. Alexander wept. (laughs) (laughs) There are no more worlds to conquer. I know. It is frustrating when they take so much time and pains to create a character that is so tactical and precise. Well, he works himself into a corner, right? Because he can't... He can't fix, he can't come up with a solution. As a writer, he can come up with a great problem, but he can't come up with a solution. Yeah. <laughs> so it, he just rips it apart. You it know? kind of shows a lot of the weakness of Fleming as a writer, doesn't it? Because you kind of go, yeah. oh, you're not the that smart. Good. Yeah, you've got a great <laughs> setup. <laughs> but if yeah. you're going to write a genius, you have to be a genius. Be a <laughs> 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 like, imagine him yeah. trying to write Moriarty. <laughs> yeah, it was shocking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good point. His villain. Or how he goes into Sherlock Holmes's office and blows it to smithery. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I and, did. Uh, I did love the 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 way that he'd set the book up into three parts, though. That was um, cool. I loved, and it being tied that to that um, once is happenstance, twice is coincidence. Three times enemy action, enemy and then action, those three yeah. parts being called happenstance, coincidence, enemy action. I was like, "That's good stuff, Fleming." And he tied fairly well those things thematically together in those um, in those three parts. Sorry, we're going to have to stop. Jake just coughed. Oh, <laughs> far out, Jake. You didn't Are hear you me serious? cough. I saw it and it distracted me. Oh, and it distracted Brandon. Yeah, now you've distracted me, Jake. It did not. You dirty bloody devils. Oh, we're going to have to start this etiquette. again. We're going to have to start Jesus this again. Christ. I'm not doing it again. I've already done it once. I can't even remember what I was talking about now, Jake. Thanks very no, much. I got well, so if I you can't that. remember it, it wasn't worth saying. Well, what did we think? Um, I don't, I'm jumping, I'm flipping and flopping and jumping around. Do it. But, uh, yeah. The what, what? Another thing that annoyed me. I'll get into the things that I loved eventually because they were. <laughs> they it's were a few. it's more fun to talk about the annoyances. But like, a lot hinged on finding that note. <laughs> when uh, when oh, on the toilet note. <laughs> on the, the toilet note. Like a lot, again, an example of the sort of uh, 
stupid. The pussy galore toilet note on the plane, you mean? Yeah. Yes, Bond's trying to get a note to Felix to say Fort Knox, some shit's about to go down at Fort Knox because oh, obviously yeah. he's been cut off from all communication. And the only way he thinks to get this message out is by writing something when he has spare time, taping it to his leg, and then he takes takes a, a laboratory break on the plane and tapes it underneath the, the toilet seat. And he's hoping that somehow within three days, and he does sit there and doubt himself and, you know, Fleming tries to account for it. He goes, oh, it's going to be a bl pretty bloody slim chance that someone finds that. But like... Oh, is it, Ian? Is it? Is it? And it what, turns out what it would have happened if no one found it? Like... <laughs> yeah. But anyway, that was the undoing of Goldfinger, a toilet note. <laughs> yes. Do you think that would have worked in the movie? <laughs> How do you film that? <laughs> And I don't understand because he puts it underneath the toilet and then he says, and every bloody man and his dog had to use the loo before they landed. <laughs> so who, wh who's not lifting up the toilet seat? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Yeah. Hello. They're all sitting down? <laughs> or they're pissing through the toilet seat. They're... Through, it, through it. Yeah. Through it's, it. The main, it's the main part. It's, we're not talking the secondary. Oh, you think it's he just the... stuck it to the bottom of the main... Full cover. Oh, I thought Not he stuck it to the seat. And then the and secondary one? Yeah, because you've got the lid and then you've got you the seat the and then yeah, the yeah. toilet itself. And so he thinks on that the plane triple is decker, lift this one up. Yeah. He so he doesn't lift the the lid. All the men all the men have got the lid up, having a slash. And everyone has to have the lid up, or else you just not everyone. Doing your business. Not everyone. Not in 1959. No, not in 1959. They did. You've got to lift the lid. the lid up because that opens up the toilet. No, it's well, just... the lid's lifted, but the seat is down. I... So he's put it under the seat. Just a point right. of order on that. If you've ever been into <laughs> a, a public toilet, Jake, the yeah. touching that lid is disgusting. I piss on the floor. You, <laughs> you just, you just Normally... go. Normally what you do is you find a drain pipe in the corner of one of the stalls yeah. and just go straight. Absolutely. <laughs> You're an animal. <laughs> uh, no, it's a silly plan. It's a really, really silly plan. There's a lot hanging on that toilet note. There is a lot hanging on that toilet note. I mean, look, it's a small gripe, but it is a Actually, gripe. Actually, it's a pretty big gripe it's... now that you think about yeah. it, really, because... Like you said, that's the only reason why Felix has any clue about anything, and I him know. turning up and, and like, yeah, you know, the whole ruse dramatic. of everyone falling down and and playing up the whole idea of the gas and everything. That's right. I mean, effective and theatrical and and very visual, uh, mm. very cinematic. Great for a movie. Great for a movie. Um, but you've endangered some small children too. Some uh, uh, some babies. Some yeah. Babies. You left them. Um, just left them to cry to sell the scene. Whoever's staged that, I don't know if it's Felix or someone else in the CIA, but they've got, production, they've got production experience. They got Kubrick <laughs> in to do it. <laughs> oh, God. That's commitment, though. There's like, there's like, what about the car crash that they come across? There's a car crash where there's a body strewn out the window, and this is only visible via the train as the train comes past on the outskirts of the Fort Knox establishment. Yeah, they do some dead bodies. It's like, that's commitment. They've Huge. gone and damaged some vehicles. 
uh, and got some extras to, to lay in some compromising positions and mm. no one's moved a muscle. And what's the timeline on this? How What's the prep time to go out and total a couple of cars and stage an accident? Well, they had three. They had, well, it depends on when he got the toilet note. That's it, right? When did the actual... Because Bond gets off and the whole, and the whole Goldfinger party moves on, but then they, or maybe they explain how it all happened. But... Do you think that if Ian Fleming were alive today, he would be a conspiracy theorist? Because I think to write something like that, you have to believe in absolute nonsense that the government could could orchestrate anything as complicated and as choreographed as that. I think Ian Fleming <laughs> would be, be, be QAnon. <laughs> <laughs> He's an anti-vax. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Oh, no, I don't know. The in the war. No, no. Yeah. I can never tell. Gas. I can never tell if he's just having a laugh. I, I mean, I don't know how clever the man is. Like, I don't think he's got a sense of humour. That is, is something that I've written or is as he a note that here. Dry and hard of a man <laughs> to take it all seriously. Maybe he would be a conspiracy theorist. I I think I he know. does take it very seriously cuz there's a couple of moments where like he attempt Bond attempts humor, like little one-liners at odd job and stuff like that. And they're all racist. They all result in him calling him an ape or a monkey or ape. something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I don't yes, think Bond, uh, he doesn't like those Koreans. And he? and Fleming has never really made me laugh. Like he's never made me go <laughs> I've always been like Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, very true. I mean, you don't read these for a laugh. That's At all. Certain. A heck of no. good time, though. I yeah, that's the thing. I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. I I just don't really. I, and I'm finding this is the problem with a lot of the Bond films that I don't like, and a couple of the novels is that that third act is so bloody important, and it when it feels kind of rushed and it feels kind of tacked on or kind of, uh, you know, there's, there's an event for an event's sake. I'm just like, ah, now I'm, now you've lost me again. I think one thing I've stopped doing with these novels, because I'm so, I think I've trained myself to kind of read and view things from the point of, uh, from the point of theme or controlling idea. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? It's like you try and figure out what the statement is and how it's all leaning towards that one thing. And I thought these novels were doing that as well, but they were uh, that type of story. And I think there's evidence to suggest that, and I think it's why I like Live and Let Die um, and Casino as a little, you know, duology, is that they both are doing that. Yeah. Um, but anything thereafter... There's no hypothesis. There's no sort of controlling idea or statement other than bad guys are bad. Yeah. You know, that's essentially, and I just, yeah, it seems like a missed opportunity, but um, yeah, I've stopped looking for it. What about you boys? Do you think there's anything bigger no. at play in a book like Goldfinger? <laughs> no, it me. doesn't even really cross my mind, to be honest, anymore. Yeah. Of like, oh, yeah. what are we exploring this time round? Yeah. Because I think Casino had a lot to explore. Casino, yeah, 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 I think there was an interesting thing because there's so much of Fleming's personal turmoil going on. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, when, when, when the character of Bond is an idea, 
rather than becoming a, a piece of the furniture. When he was still an idea, I think there was a lot to say, perhaps. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, when he becomes, yeah, I don't know. He's a bit of an everyman kind of action hero, uh, a little bit. He is. This in... one, yeah, that's one thing. You, you, in that last part, that last act of this one, I know he's done it in previous ones, but I really felt like I was reading a Tom Clancy or a Matthew Riley book yeah. or a Jack, a, a Lee Child book. It really, and I kind of, I did have a, a slight little moment where I was like, I think he did a lot of work, a lot of the groundwork for those, for that wheelhouse. Probably. You know, of, of fiction, yeah, fiction writing. Yeah, definitely an influence. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's still, just not my still personal favourite genre. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's too, I don't know, guts and guns. I, I think. Know. You lose sense of the geography. Yes. I find. Yeah. Another thing that I find, um, and I know this is a complaint people have about the the movie Goldfinger, but I don't have it as much in the movie as I did in this, is that uh, Bond really doesn't doesn't do anything. Nothing he really does triggers the next event. The events are all triggered, and then he's caught in it. He's just constant. It's almost like he's yeah. He's constantly kind of like well along for the ride like he's captured for that final bit and it's just like no you're going to Maybe be my secretary from... and you're going to sit there and you're going to put a note under the toilet seat and it's all a bit kind of like Bond's not doing anything what's he yeah who's who I, am i focusing I on do you know what i mean except for maybe i agree with you except for maybe the the sort of early part when he is trying at least to get under goldfinger's skin oh, i think the def- way that the way he works his way into goldfinger is is very much reactionary we see his you know how his action causes a change in the narrative or whatever like um finding goldfinger cheating at cards at the hotel at the start and and things like that but yeah once he's i think it's about that time where he's kidnapped as you mentioned before bond definitely becomes just unimportant he's just the he's the narrator yeah. For a, for a yeah. story that's going on, you know. And and I loved the golf game. I thought the golf game was... was a, Did you like that? Yeah, I, re- I really liked But I think I liked it because I like golf. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, but then I was also, through that stuff, I was kind of like, what are we doing? Even though I was really enjoying it and I was luxuriating in those good times, those golf times, uh, yeah. there was still a part of me where I was like, what am I learning here that I don't already know? I know he's a cheat. That's yeah. right. There's no new statement there, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an it's an odd um, thing. It feels like that's where the game the the game that's where the um the novel kind of it it has two starts almost. Like it's got that yeah. original Goldfinger mm. short story which borrows very heavily from Moonraker like you said. And then you've got all right, we're sending you off to look up this fella uh, he plays golf here. See if you can get a game with him. Like they're the same thing. They we it learn the exactly yeah. the yeah, same thing, right. and, and nothing else is I think triggered. We only find, do we find? I think it would all be if any. It's not story exposition at that point. I think if we're finding out, because I think at the golf game you definitely no, you don't get it because odd job's not there. It's the other. No, party. it's Fuchs. That's it's right. Fuchs, yeah. What do you think of the scene at? It, the one thing it does do is gets us gets us to his house, but you don't need to have experienced the golf game. 
no and and i think the golf game is is a big part of it is also to to um service the once is happenstance twice is coincidence i think there's a little bit of shit what's the second one gonna be yeah yeah i guess that's the theme that he's working on fleming's going oh i've got this cool idea for a structure you know this idea of you know happenstance coincidence enemy action now i've got three things where he <laughs> finds someone and then he finds him again and then the third time he finds him but he's bad and then he captured him <laughs> that's probably how it went oh, i thought right. although i did enjoy um screwball bond at goldfinger's house um it was a bit dumb yeah <laughs> searching around and finding the camera and everything and blaming it on the like, cat blaming it on the cat Come on. who is then fed to odd job, fed to odd job. yes i yes, wrote that down i was like is odd job given a cat to eat he is. he's given a cat to eat and then Why? and then nearly given tilly to eat yes oh yeah the whole reference the wording around that was like yeah yeah that's when the the a lot of the the racist stuff started to pop up too where i was like oh boy oh boy here we go here we go (laughs) (laughs) also the the fact that um the reason that goldfinger has asian people work for him is because they're golden skinned that's, oh God, I that's it. That. Yeah. Because they have yellow faces. Is I, I don't think that. Oh, well, that part, that passed me by. There that's that. That was yeah. The thing that's of he's obsessed he... with everything is golden. That's yeah, why he works with the Koreans and the Chinese and the the Japanese and and also the yeah, Korean right. and the Japanese being, you know, World War Two and Korean War enemies. Yeah, helps make them even less human. They're so kind of othered in this totally he does that a lot it's he does that a lot well (laughs) he does it to the germans way too much as well 100 percent. like you can't forget that in some form these books are propaganda like the fact that you know 1959 korea the korean war 50 50 to 53 Mm. was the korean war and this book comes out in 59 and all of a sudden it's full of like anti-Korean stuff. Yeah, right? that's true. Yeah. So it's like, he's clearly, I mean, he's obviously got connections to the, the second world war and intelligence and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, like you say, I mean, who's the, who's the enemy power at that time to England and the allies, the Western powers, you know, it's, it's, it's Germany, it's Korea, it's Russia, you know, we're seeing we're seeing these people, uh, these cultures and races and stuff through the through the prism of of someone that used to work for the British government. Yeah, exactly. And that's yeah. that's an element that I must say to the film's credit, they really toned down. I mean, look, the arguments can be made as to whether or not that's still in the films and whether or not they're products of their time and whatever. But I must say, you, Broccoli and um, Saltzman, I think they did a pretty good job overall of toning a lot they of that unsavoury stuff out of the tasteful. films. They were definitely more tasteful than Fleming. I way more tasteful than Fleming. Just... You Only Live Twice is, has got some shocking stuff in it. But, yeah, um, yeah. but they, could have just, they could have very easily just straight adapted these books. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, for sure. But they... I wonder if there's power in creating like Spectre and Smirsh, you know, like the fact that we can create this other entity, mm. this, the stand-in that we can put all of that evil badness into whilst yeah, well, it's the same reason, reason for the, you know, some of the films they've had to use fictional countries. I yeah, think that, true. Should, that you shouldn't, you shouldn't, you know, I mean, it's yeah. hard. It's yeah, hard, it is. Because we live in a global stage and, and, um, and he especially did at this time and borders were pretty clearly defined. So I think there was a lot of animosity between nations, but when it comes to the point of being blatantly racist, yeah, yes. I mean, yeah, yeah, just, yeah, doesn't make much sense. Yeah, that's I don't a... think. Oh, yeah, you... I think he was behind the time, even at the time, is my general feeling. That's exactly what my question was yeah. going to be. I was going to say, because yeah. there is definitely a sense of that was the, the temperature of the nation at the time, but there is no, a slight I mean, old pro... fashionedness, even to the 50s, I think, in some of these passages. And he's obviously got an awareness of a changing world. I mean, the appearance of, of Pussy's all lesbian um, girl gang, what are they called? The cement mixers. Mm, yes. It's, um, although Fleming doesn't handle it very well or in a very truthful manner. Yeah. He's aware of it. He's aware of a women's movement. Well, he's he's or definitely a, aware of it. He's, and he's, making, he's making judgment on it. But it just goes to show that, you know, the thinking at the time wouldn't have been, I think he would have been the, in a smaller club. Oh, 100%. Like 1959, yeah. like the next We're decade, about to get the is full yeah. of that younger generation. Second wave feminism do, comes Totally in trying to overturn people like Fleming. Yeah. Right? Like those he old says at some point to don't be a suffragette. Yes. Or something yes. Like that. Yeah. 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 yeah but it is. Those like, little that, digs in. What do you... Do you boys think, I know we've touched on it before, but I guess it's a clearer way of asking the question. Well, just to, you know, we've learned a bit since the last time we may have touched on it. Mm. But um, can you make, like, if you'll do an adaptation, a period-based adaptation of, of a book like this, mm. and you really try to make it faithful to the way James Bond thinks, in that it, he is a little bit racist, and he is a little bit sexist and he is a little bit backwards because it's the 50s. Can you make that movie? Do you think you can make it? If you, are, if you have a perspective on a character as being, you know, I think it would have to be part of the narrative that he learns, you know, or, or that he gets close to learning that his views are, I don't know. It's kind of, it's kind of that Archie Bunker problem a little bit where it's kind of like mm -hmm. you've got a character who is clearly you know, behind the times and thinks some pretty gross things. I, I don't know. My gut says, I think Bond feels like uh, something that became really strongly kind of, well, very clear to me, I guess, in this is that Bond really feels to me that it is, he's a real blank slate that whoever is writing him then puts their own perspective in a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, I think if we were to write it, it would be what our version of a gentleman is, minus yeah. a lot of that sexism and racism. And I think they'd still be... Because you don't lose anything by getting rid of that that kind of racial or sexual sexist kind of, yeah, hatred. Um, yeah. 
If it's anything, it just monologue. clears yeah. the, the path a little bit. It makes it more accessible. It's less jarring that yeah. way. I mean, you can, yeah. make, you can make the film whether or not anyone will see it or if you'll work again is another thing. <laughs> I just wonder if we're going to get to a period in, in I mean, I'm, we're in a very reactionary and sensitive age. We are, yeah. I just wonder if we'll be able to get to a time where it's 100 years on from when this novel was written and it's like the, the process is about adapting it literally. You know, and then and then looking at that thing, and then and and then going, what does this mean? Mm. Um, I just I don't know. I think it's interesting because my instinct would obviously, you know, um, I'm like I would love to make an a book accurate James Bond film set in the fifties. You boys know this. Our listeners yeah, yeah. know this. I think it'd be mm. kick ass. And obviously, as a modern storyteller, you would just tell the archetypal story and cut out the racist shit and cut out but then are you making something that isn't true by well, doing I d- that i don't think so because i was thinking about mm. this um i re-listened to an old episode of ours as well because we've we've kind of touched on this stuff quite a bit with these novels we have especially with the novels um yeah. uh but i was thinking of that thing of like no hundreds of thousands of people marched with martin luther king and, you know, in these kind of civil rights movements with the, the second wave feminists, like it wasn't this small group that kind of popped out of nowhere. It was a long kind of, you know, a, you know, a long growing tide or whatever you want to call it. Um, I reckon, yeah, I, I think, like you said, I think James, I think Ian Fleming was definitely behind the times a bit and i think if you were to have a character that he wouldn't be perfect he wouldn't he couldn't it would be silly to give a 1950s character completely modern, modern sensibilities yeah um, it would still probably be a womanizer but you just make that a part of the exploration yeah yeah i 100%. think it's about again that we talk about theming and controlling idea i think a big part of bond is seeing the effect of extraneous adventures life life threatening adventures on the psyche you know mm, i think yeah. if you were to go back and and i think it's a part of my thinking for making you know doing a period version of these books is that you the, the character makes so much sense i think yeah uh, like coming out of world war Two and mm. being in the 50s and having the tech as it is and being able to do the old spy stuff and, and yeah. all of that sort of thing it's all it all it all makes sense but yeah it just it was weighing on my mind i was like how do you how do you explore this today yeah. and you, can you have a character that is a little bit racist like like in live and let die when he sees a black woman driving a car in new york and he d- does a double take can you just like without having the monologue written down can you have that shot reverse shot you know and base it on the the reactions of actors and tell that story you know, can you can you have in a 2024 version of a film of a story set in 1954 where James Bond arrives in New York and he sees a black woman driving a car and does a bit surprised? Can you show that? Can you do that anymore? I don't know. Well, I, th- yeah. I think you probably could. I guess it's it is. It yeah. comes down to that the intention, intention as well. Yeah. Mm. Whereas it's like because mm. I guess the the fine line, you know, whoever you know, if you were to do this, who you would have to tread would be. You don't want the ultimate message to be, well, yeah, he's racist, but he still saved the day. You know, it's that kind of thing yeah. of like, you've got to be like, oh, it was, yeah, it's like, oh, wow, that's a woman driving a car. Okay. Good for, you know, is it a good for her? Is he ambivalent? Like, because if it is this thing of like, yeah. a woman driving a car, 
I think there is a there's so much of that where just for audiences from about like the 60s on would just go this guy's not the hero is he like I I (laughs) can't I can't get on board with that fella (laughs) well he's an anti-hero in this version you know what I mean oh definitely and I mean that's that's the the conversation around like the Dirty Harry films, even when yeah, they came yeah, he's out, a murderous bastard. and a horrible yeah. racist, and a and horrible a sexist, and mm. and and I think the the thing with those films, which because I really fucking love watching those movies, example. but there is that that struggle for me where I'm like, I don't think I'd like Dirty Harry though, and yeah, and I know that there are people who go, yeah, but he's an antihero. You're not really meant to. He's not a role model. And that conversation comes up with Bond quite a lot online as well. It's about the viewing experience. But it's also like, he's very clearly our hero. Like, he has shots that, that make him look super imposing and cool and badass. And like... Well, we need our heroes to learn lessons. It, Dirty yes. Harry doesn't, doesn't really... And he never learns learn. the lesson. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Where this conversation is taking my imagination is... Nobody cares. I'm, shut up! Shut up! <laughs> oh, God. You two are like a couple of old cats. Just keep on meowing. Can I get a word Come in here, Trace? Come on, get it out. Go on. What I'd like to do is actually read some of the Bond novels that aren't written by Fleming now and get a sense of what that Bond feels like because of this whole conversation that we're talking about, we've got all of these other authors that have contributed to this character now. Mm. Well, and- we have, you know, I mean, we've got a bloody dickload of these still left, but we have spoken about doing like a run from like the Horowitz run or whatever it is. Remember, Brando? The, Horow- the, t- the two Horowitz ones are the ones that I'm most interested in because they're mm. set in the Fleming era. Uh-huh. Uh, before be Casino Royale. So oh, that, no way. Yeah, so they're kind of set before. I think one of them is set before and the other one is set after. I'm not really sure. I know the Chandler novels are kind of like Bond in the 80s. They're very much like, and, and then kind of uh, with Gardner and all that, or I think I might have mixed them up, Gardner and Chandler, I can't remember which one. But like if they were writing during Brosnan's era... It's pretty clearly a clearly a Brosnan era Bond. I think right. Gardner yep. actually adapts Goldeneye and License to Kill. Actually, um, so yeah, they're kind of they're very of their time as well. Mm. And uh, from memory, I think I've only really read one Gardner, but I have a memory of them being very, very Tom Clancy, Matthew Riley. We're gonna do this. <laughs> <laughs> Get it done. See yeah, us. Yeah, let's yeah. roll out. Yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah. that's the other thing. It's it's like what what's the makeup of Bond in the in the world of the novels as time goes by? Like we've really only met the man in his own time with the original author in the in the late fifties. What happens to this character in the eighties from a literary standpoint? Well, I guess they do the same thing as the movies where he's kind of just becomes a timeless entity. And they yeah. ignore the 50s canon. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. Because, I mean, having a new author is just it's the same as having a new actor. It's like that author is just going to put in their own baggage, their own stuff, their, their own style of writing. It's going to... 
sure. I mean, you can put his name there as the character, but it's going to completely change the... I would imagine it would completely change the whole flavour of the person, personality. Mm. Yeah. It's, what were your change? Oh, sorry. No, 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 no. I, I was just going to no, say no, it's no. it's the thing that I I'm really love it is that he does feel like a very kind of blank slate character. I I the more and more I like it was I think it was a question we had when we started the podcast, which is who is James Bond? Yeah. And I thought I had a, at the start I would have said a very different. I would have had a very different answer to what I think now. I actually don't know if there is a lot to Bond. And I think that that is kind of the brilliance that, mm. and particularly with the movies, an actor can bring their own personality a bit to it. And it re- it's yeah. like the Doctor, really, in, in the Doctor yeah. Who series. It's very much like... The Doctor is a magical time-travelling wizard who is very knowledgeable and can, can fix nearly everything. And it's played by David Tennant! You know, <laughs> yeah. whereas... And I feel like Bond is a little bit like that. Um, where, yeah, I'm kind of like, you could do the story of Goldfinger. You could even set it in the 50s. But the actor that you cast, the, the person who writes it and the person who directs it, their three personalities then colour Bond in. Um, And I think this this kind of... I I definitely have said this on the podcast where I'm like, oh, I I wish they'd go back to their Fleming roots. I don't think that anymore. Now that I've really closely read these, I'm like, no, the the stories, the frameworks are cool. The the plots and narratives, they're great. I don't need Fleming's personality on screen because I've got so many other artists who can bring things to it, you know. Mm. That's why I'm so fucking excited for Kerry yeah, Fukunaga's a, a, version of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a deep, it's a deep, deep topic. I mean, oh, yeah. I think <laughs> yeah. Because, like, my mind flashes to literal sort of, like, I love, I love the way Fleming writes shots, for example. So you, you could argue that there's a lot of DNA of James Bond in his visualizations. You know, I think yeah. you could really, you could really go down a lot of different routes with trying to analyze the thing, but you're so right. I think it's definitely, I think contextually, obviously Bond isn't a blank slate when this was written. No, definitely not. This is the only version of him. At that yeah, time. which isn't. Yeah, that's right. It's the, yeah. But um, yeah, for sure. I think it's a great way to think of him and he's an archetype. He's just, a, he's definitely just an archetype. Yeah. You know, because it was funny, the the bits that made me bristle in this was like when he was yeah. like, "I'm on a on a airplane to heaven, and I wonder <laughs> if Vesper is there. What she'll think of this new girl? Oh, I'm like, God. you've known her for two days. This is bullshit. Don't hammer this shit in. This isn't backstory. <laughs> this isn't personal growth. What is this? An airplane to heaven, and Vesper's dumb. there. She broke your heart. She betrayed you. Come on, grow up here. <laughs> You're not dead." Oh, the shoehorning of Vesper in actually starts to make me go, enough! <laughs> yeah. Isn't that interesting? I get it, your girlfriend's dead! Yeah, we want some continuity, but not shameless callbacks. We can yeah. never be pleased. We can be pleased. That's the lesson. <laughs> That's the lesson. That... Although, I, I do want to ask, what do you boys have any sort of, like, uh, I guess, honourable mentions? What, what did you love about this book? Colonel Smithers. <laughs> Smithers. Colonel Smithers at the bank, love him. 
Hang on, Colonel Smithers at the bank. Yep. Oh, the the Col old the the Colonel the Smithers runs the kind of like secret guards of the Bank of England. He's a gold expert. But he also coaches the the work women's hockey, hockey team, team on the weekend. <laughs> Which was so arbitrary. <laughs> it's just See, my inner storyteller was going cut it just cut it it's yeah. not <laughs> i love the line colonel smithers looked exactly like someone who would be called colonel smithers <laughs> he had me at that you lazy yeah. git <laughs> no yeah. look in, in all seriousness um there is a quality to fleming's writing and it's probably just trickery but i fall for it every time and it's this whole kind of um I don't know. I guess it's the, the idea of a Renaissance man. It's knowing a little bit about everything. I just really enjoy getting lost in some of these stories sometimes when he goes into random details about, you know, like building structures or like the chemistry of like rare metals forming or, um, yeah, yeah. you know, like um, self-defense techniques or things like that. I was like, yeah, you should know a little bit about everything. I was and, quite impressed during Smithers' uh, uh, gold, his little thing about how gold works. I was like, well, Fleming either is blowing shit out of his ass or <laughs> he's done his research here. That's the thing. It's like, yeah. is the research process for him super intense or is he just like flying yeah. by the seat of his pants? Yeah, yeah. I just need to know more than the reader or appear to. Because <laughs> yeah. that's, the, that's, the, that's the Flemingisms that that I that I really love, you know, when Dupont and Bond sit down for that for that dinner and and the crab comes out and the butter is poured and the wine's flowing and stuff, I'm just like, yes, yeah, yes, this is this is Bond stuff. I love this kind of stuff. That gentleman's sophisticate. Yeah, the, all of that kind of, that gets me more excited these days than um, yeah. Oh, what what's the bad guy's plot? Because nine times out of ten, oh, it'll be yeah. something that we've already seen, or it'll be ridiculous, or you know. And this idea of, you know, Bond eating eating out on another man's dollar. Yes. Know, he, can, yeah. he can kind of, ah, well, you know, if we're going <laughs> to... I love that. I when he was, a little break. Yeah, he's like looking around going, lucky I'm not paying for the room. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. more than my yearly salary. Yeah, because that's one thing that I often forget is Bond isn't a rich man. No. Though he, though he uh, yeah. you know, he hangs out with quite a number. He's that's pretty, the um, that's the trick of it, isn't it? It's like you assume because of all the kind of opulence with Bond, well, Bond, you know, Bond is champagne, Bond is cigarettes and fine dining and yachts and sports cars and all this kind of stuff. But he doesn't earn. He just gets much. to enjoy that stuff. He's one of us. Yeah, he's, yeah. Too... he's a workman. Yeah, we Imagine just pay for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> I I will say actually on one one thing. Because uh, I know that the the Hugo Drax and the Goldfinger comparisons are quite quite strong, both cheating at cards, both you know the richest men in the world. Yeah. I really liked that Bond was not like awestruck by Goldfinger, and that he yes. had quite a few passages there where he was like, "Oh, righto, mate, you've got enough money." Like there was mm. this th the obscenity of of extreme wealth, which is such a fifties. Thing. it's pre the 80s where it's like greed is good it used to be it was like oh good lord you don't need that much money donate mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. like the Rothschilds yeah. the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers you know 
Why do, he just hoards gold? He hoards money like a dragon. Again, that St. George and the dragon stuff was popping up yeah. again in it. Um, yeah, the hoarding, he was just like, oh, it's disgusting. Absolutely disgusting. He doesn't use it for the public good. Shouldn't have it. I was like, wow, that's such yeah. a different reaction to what he had yeah. with Drax. Whereas yeah. Drax had that public facade of, well, I'm building us a rocket. Yeah, what was he was in awe of Drax because of the, the the war heroism, wasn't it? That was the main thing. Drax was a war hero. Yeah, and and that he was a, such a brilliant mind. Yeah, he was. He yeah, was yeah. constantly going on about it. Oh, he, he is a truly brilliant man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which he says. That's right. That that was the book where, although it's a great book, that that was dumb bond. It was dumb bond. It was a little bit of dumb bond dumb in there. Bond. Yeah. yeah, dumb bond at the dinner party. Rosie. <laughs> Um, <laughs> he does say that about Goldfinger, though, quite a bit, where he's like, oh, he has to be brilliant. He has to be, you know, he's so calculated. He knows exactly what he's doing, mm. but he's not won over by it in this version. Yeah, I guess that's a little change in character. It is. But again, I can't remember if it's because Goldfinger has a bit of, is it German or Swiss heritage? Because it's times they're like, oh, well... We thought he might be Jewish, but turns out he's not. And it's like, yeah, I don't think it's ever right. underlined what, what he <laughs> oh, is. I have a feeling it is because well, they talk about him being naturalised after the war. Oh, right. To England. Because he, 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 he is an Englishman. England. Yeah, he is an Englishman. But, but he was naturalised from, oh, God. Because Drax sad. was German, but he hid it and took the identity of another person. Yes, that's right. Now, I'm sure they talk about Oryx origins. Hey, Jake, that's one for fact check. Oh, yeah. There you go, Jake. There you go. Tell you what I love. Oh, What's yeah. that? Photographer Bond. Oh, the Leica. Oh. I couldn't stop thinking about you. Hey, quick question. <laughs> was that the correct F? I know you weren't seeing the light, but by the way he described it, was an F11 correct? He was going for a pretty deep focal throw. Um he set the he set the camera to one one hundredth of a second with a light meter. So it's a it's a more rudimentary light meter because I I thought light meters gave you the f stop these days, but he got his shutter speed. So I was a little bit like, oh okay. But what I did like was so yeah, he's gone for like quite a deep focal throw, which probably suits the day. I think. It's oh, good. Okay. And what I loved more than anything was Bond considering his composition <laughs> yeah, when he when he got up in a chair very quietly, but in the in the back of the room, so that he could get Goldfinger down on the chair and uh, and Jill Masterson in the foreground with her binoculars. He was like, "Oh, that's quite a lovely shot." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yes, it is. That tells a story. <laughs> when does he get that developed? <laughs> Instantly, apparently. <laughs> well, there's a couple of days where, like, he uses the identigraph. Why isn't there a photo of Goldfinger anywhere? God knows. Not because I mean, he crafts one with the identigraph. He uses the, right? the Q's little. A thing. nose, the, not a banana Q. Not a Q. <laughs> that's yeah. all I can think of. I think I think that's where they got that scene from because there's a line in there. Oh, fuck, I can't even remember what it was, but there was a line about the face. I and I right. was like, that was in yeah. for your eyes only. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I think um, he had a few days when he got back to 
but he take it to the chemist he's on the radio and he's like if you try and kill me now i've already sent this photo off but he hadn't no i think he's bluffing but surely goldfinger's like i'm also a band from the 1950s i know how cameras work (laughs) (laughs) that's impossible (laughs) that was a cool moment when Goldfinger is able to seemingly kind of like barrel down the the lens of the te- of the binoculars and like just oh, yeah. stare him down. I was like, that. Why is that not in the film? Put that in a movie. Oh, That's... What what happens? Does it in Goldfinger when he gets made when Bond speaks through? He kind of he doesn't look he he he. In the book, he's very like oh he's very calm and that, but in the film, he's like. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, it's got to be this... <laughs> very small in the shot. We've got to make it obvious. Gert, bigger, darling, bigger. bigger! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of really cool visual visual moments in this one. I really liked just one that popped up into my head much later in the novel, but I want to see it in a Bond film where he's pretending to sleep. You know how he oh, yeah. pretends to sleep fake to try and, try and get yeah, the fake snores in a nice rhythm to try and get Oddjob more relaxed. That's and right. when he realises Oddjob's asleep, he tries to keep the rhythm of the snores while getting up and stuff. I was like, that's pretty cool. I was so surprised, uh, spoiler alert, that we don't actually see the golden painted lady. No, we just hear it, no, don't we? Just yeah, it's only told to us by a sister. And I, I was glad that, words, uh, that Tilly it? hung around. You know, you but were she, glad that Tilly. But she hung doesn't around? do anything. No. Doesn't do anything. None... She, he completely screws the pooch with Tilly. She does, but you know, yeah. I mean, Tilly's death is the stupidest death oh, I think damn. he's written of one I of the to be girls. With pussy. Yeah. yeah, give me pussy. Oh. Yeah. Yes, we get yeah. it. She's a lesbian. Yeah, it's not her inclination, James. Yeah, yet he just wasn't willing to come out and say that she was a lesbian. He can be so blatant and such a dickhead about everything, but he can only allude to maybe, maybe Tilly doesn't like men. (laughs) That's the only reason, right? (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, she's really just thrown aside. I was trying to, she she reminded me of someone else. Who who else does he do that? Does he do that too? Where the, the the female character just gets in the books. He's sort of building towards something in the books. Oh, and then he uh, Tiffany! And then Tiffany just... Case becomes Tiffany, useless. Tiffany Case, same thing. Yeah. When yes. we get to that climax and he's got too many moving parts, he's like, forget it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Women in the corner, please. <laughs> I'll save you for lovemaking on the last page. <laughs> <Yeah>. Exactly. <laughs> Pussy Galore is the she. I think she's like the shittest character in this. What book. a stitch up! What an it's absolute not even an up. attempt to like justify her name at all. There's not. There's nothing. She. Mm. She. It, it, it could have been anyone. Could have been any gangster. Literally, yeah, I mean, could have been anyone. On. There was a big leap in logic there for that rug pull, the second climax rug pull. And Goldfinger's actually flying the plane. Yeah. Oh. 
Hey, the airport's fairly empty, guys. Where is everybody? They're <laughs> all just getting their shots. Can you come get your shot too, Mr. Bond? All right, then. <laughs> oh, I've had so many bloody shots for all these different things over 20 years. When the shot's gonna end? <laughs> come on, sir. You really should get the shot. All right, then. <laughs> and also, that Goldfinger admits, he's like... We got pretty lucky because our, our, the, the plane taxied in the right direction. So uh, here we are. <laughs> this is supposed to be the guy that wants to be the king of crime, the, the greatest yeah. criminal throughout the ages. And where's he going? He's, he, 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 so this is where he's going to he Russia. Russia. And he's flying Bond to yeah. smash. But yeah. that, ladies and gentlemen, is a bridge too far for pussy galore. And she's like, I don't want to go to Russia. No, thanks. I'm going to be with the good guys now. And guess what? I don't think I'm a lesbian anymore. <laughs> Essentially. That's the... That's yeah. the... You just haven't met a real man. <laughs> You're right. Uh, uh, this book has dropped down in my estimation. Come on, you bloody ruined it for me. You always do this. <laughs> it does happen. I love oh, the plot. But that first half, it's very Brandon. It's it is very. very. It's to me. It's to me yeah, at points. Yeah. In fact, I felt pandered to, actually, at points. <laughs> yeah. Is he watching me? Wrap right this golf game up. This is indulgent. <laughs> I love it. I did think... For a time, I did think he was going to describe ev all 18 holes. Every of that hole. So did I. <laughs> I was very getting concerned. very worried. I was getting very worried. <laughs> I tell you what, though, on that golf game, I yeah. loved that neither Goldfinger or Bond were exceptional golfers. Yes. I was very impressed that he had a bit of restraint there, that Bond wasn't a complete straight shooter and that he had bad shots and that he allowed Goldfinger to be played back into the game a bit. I was like, yeah, that's yeah. good. That's good. But ultimately, it was a bit indulgent. <laughs> I was like, what? I, I loved bloody it. hell. No, Jake, I'm talking. Oh. <laughs> All right. Cut. All right, go again. Go on. Continue. Well, mine was a tangent. So are you speaking of the well, same Mine point? is not a tangent, Darby, right, well, because I like to stay oh, on topic. Here we go. Brandon. Yes. Do you know what a spoon and a brassy is? Oh, the golf shots. Yeah. Uh, yes, I think a spoon. Okay, this is good for fact check. A brassy, a brassy, I don't know. But a spoon, I think, is the old style of wedge that they used to have. They don't have them in the game anymore. Um, and and you would, it was kind of like spooning the ball kind of up. You just kind of got under it. Goldfinger putts through his legs like a croquet player. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And yeah. Bond says that that's the new As style. As is the style at the time. You know yeah. what it reminded me of? The old broomstick putter. I yeah. thought someone had a broomstick putter and was kind of like <laughs> putting backwards. <laughs> Whoa, yeah, stop so doing that. <laughs> oh, are we live? <laughs> Okay, can I say my point now? No, 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 because I'm oh. going to say one final point on the golf. One final point on the golf. Well, yeah, we should wrap up the golf. Bond, yeah. Fleming. well, rather, I should say, Brandon yes. plays golf like James Bond. Excuse me? How's that? Because Hawker, the caddy... Bond's <laughs> not a kooky lefty, though. Says, okay. No, Bond's not a kooky lefty. 
But the caddy says to We don't to know Bond, that. He doesn't say that he plays right-handed. True, true. He doesn't. It's not... Oh, I wonder if you could prove it. Fact check, mate. I don't think yeah. anyone was allowed to back then. Though. Yeah, yeah that's they, true. They take your hand. Devil cut left-handed clubs. Hawker the caddy says to Bond, can you still put them on the roof of the starter's hut? Yes! <laughs> and that's exactly what Brandon did. <laughs> <laughs> when we played at Cumberland. That's right. I put the bloody oh, from the final hole. I was I was like fifty meters out from the green, and uh, the clubhouse is behind, and it's about a hundred and fifty meters back. And I've taken a shot that should have gone fifty meters, and fucking smack banged it. It was the uh, loudest. I wouldn't know because I never bloody get invited. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it was the loudest bang. I've ever heard on a golf course. It was deeply embarrassing. This was like four years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still Lucky haunted renovating by that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That... Any more golf chat? We done? Uh, I've been Darby. watching a lot of the golf on KO, actually, not a sponsor. Maybe you should get a set of clubs. Darby, yeah. And then you might be invited. You only need four. You don't four. want to see me play sport. You only need four. Golf's a game. You need a, you need a, a driver, an iron, a wedge, and a putter, and that's, that's it. That's it. Yeah. I'll drive the golf cart. All right. You can All be right. our caddy. Speaking of which, segue. Oh, yeah. Oh. What did we think <gasps> of the vehicle? The Aston Martin. The Aston Martin DB3 yeah. in gunmetal grey. Is this yeah. the birth of the icon? I know it's not Has a DB5. To be. Has this to be. It's battleship grey, I should say. Yeah, Battleship Grey, but that's the same as the DB5 that he drives. It's I, I, I think it's the DB3 uh, does not look very different from the DB5. Oh, it's a gorgeous car. Gorgeous. It definitely looks more from the 50s. It's like the 50s version of a DB5 for sure. It's got a similar sort of shape. Google it. Have you Googled it, Jake? Have you checked no, it out? No, I haven't. Mm. Oh, I, I Googled both that and... I Google all the cars and all everything that he talks about in period, and I'm just like, I have no idea what that looks like. And I'm always surprised. It's such a weird time. A strange like, time for, for vehicles. <laughs> yeah. This does, very modern, think about this really feels vehicle. like a car book. A car. I mean, there's so much emphasis on the DB3 and, and the yeah, guns. Yeah, but they're, made, they're kind of integral and they get brought up a lot. We do spend a lot of time over. traveling in this, like just sitting down in a moving vehicle while someone pontificates. Oh, who else got a flash of um, No Country for Old Men with the long range scanner? Oh, yeah, the homing the long, beacon the that he puts range, in the car. The car, you know, you can, the homing beep, beacon, you can hear the beep, beep, beep. Oh, yeah, when he's chasing yeah. him across Europe through France. Yeah. I, I think was they... so stuck in Goldfinger world with that with that movie. With the little Suddenly? beacon that he has in his shoe that he then in the shoe. Oh, in right, the boot. Right. <laughs> mm. yeah. Yes, we're talking about Goldfinger Brandon. Keep up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what about you boys? Uh, what are your uh, honourable mentions, Day Players of the Week? bloody Favourite said it, mate. The camera, the car, the... Oh, I've got it. My Day Player of the Week is Goldfinger's anti-smoking quip about how he oh. says, how ridiculous would it be if you saw a cow gather a bunch of hay and start puffing on the smoke? He's like, yeah. what a ridiculous human pursuit. 
Yeah, yeah. And again, another example of that crazy bloody detail that Goldfinger kind of expounds on the reasons why he doesn't drink. All of those different poisons that he's found that are in the in the different alcohols. But and then he says. But then he says. But uh, let's get some vodka and uh, filter it through charcoal. A note carcinogen. <laughs> 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 oh mate oh. activated charcoal and brush your teeth with that yeah yeah it's, yeah, in, yeah it's in everything now great what about you brandon any any uh honorable mentions you just said well my end is making quick i will say actually just to give the the novel its due shush jake please um <laughs> it's very it's very hard when you do this in the room but it's even more so uh, on, on the delay stream. throws everything off. Oh, uh, I continue. thought the sim- continue. Stop. Go. I thought the simplicity of the plot was a good strength for it. I didn't yeah, think. What about any honourable mentions? Uh, well, it would be my smoking quip, but the simplicity because <laughs> I, it, that's a tick. It's an honourable mention to Ian to old nobbies. Um, because I find sometimes he tries to overcomplicate the stories a little bit, and I'm yes. like, wrap it up, wrap it up. Just we're here for pulp. We're here for pulp. Give us pulp. That's all we want. That's all I want. Martinis, Nothing girls, and guns. That's it. oranges with extra pulp. That's no it. fruit, just pulp. Not a sponsor. Uh, I actually thought it was cool that the Spangled Mob was there too. Well, they, they didn't get a mention. The Spangled Gang anymore. The Spang Gang. Yeah, they so were. So they must have had a structure. I think they were subtle rebranding. I think they were called the Spangled Mob. I think we called them the Spang Gang. <laughs> we might have come up with that. <laughs> that feels a very Trayvon universe. <laughs> You're right. You're right. That does ring a bell. Yeah. Bell. I don't know whether Ian's sitting there going the Spang Gang. <laughs> He's a humorless fuck. Yeah. What do you think they're called? I think they're called the Spang Gang. I love it, Ian. <laughs> Thank you, Noel. <laughs> That's all the notes I've I've got. Yeah. yeah. Look, I think you know. I think it's time to get to our summaries. Isn't it interesting though? If one final point that um, Fleming plugs we Chandler. Up, no, we were, but we're not yet. Fleming plugs Chandler. Yeah. Right at the end. It's so, like, Bond goes and picks up the latest Chandler novel. That, Trying to help a mate out. That was Fleming just being like, please like me. Please keep liking me. <laughs> yeah, because he was friends with Chandler, right? They were, they was trying to be even more. They were chums. What, do you think they were trying to be bum chums? <laughs> oh, oh. Brandon, sounding a little like Fleming. <laughs> oh, my apologies. <laughs> you think they were trying to be more than chums? No, 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 no. Mate. Well, I don't know. Maybe Fleming is um, repressed and wanted to share his feelings, but couldn't. Well, that's that's what they say, isn't it? The most bigoted people have repressions. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it froze. <laughs> Hang on. I have to click my mouse. <laughs> no, he hasn't frozen. And that... Just... <laughs> wow, that's really good. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
<laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you the living statue. <laughs> we know, do we have any idea? Because I know for the films, we were I've pretty honored when it, when it came to Jake. <laughs> when it came to uh, knowing what our, rank, what our ratings were of the films, you know what I mean? Like, oh, what did I give Live and Let Die? Oh, yeah, that was an eight. Oh. I don't know what I've given any of these. Books. Oh, yeah, I couldn't gauge it. I've really just been kind of, you know, shooting in the dark here, trying to score a novel on its own merit, I believe someone uh, once told me was the way to go about it. Not worrying about <laughs> oh, what yeah. your past yeah, yeah, yeah. numbers were. I think we said it, so, uh, yeah, yeah, that's true. If we text? said that, then it's no. true. Absolutely. Any, so, anything, everything I say. You shouldn't be worrying about what you gave your last novel. Just I can go, go first. I'll make it easy. Oh, it's a, it's a, it's a six. A six. Yeah, it's very. What solid. do you give the first half? Oh, the first half is is an eight. First half is back an eight. Back half is a four. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the back. No, the back half is is a six, but such a dense six. That it that it, it way <laughs> It's so dense that it has its own yeah. gravitational pull and thus makes everything a six. It's well, fine. I'm have a little it's more fine. logic. <laughs> Excuse top me. Half. <laughs> top half was a nine. Back half was a five. We're coming out with a seven. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I can go a seven. Make I can seven. swing a seven. There you go. Um. What about Sinead O'Connor? It's... <laughs> <laughs> um, Who do you think Sinead O'Connor is? Because <laughs> you've been going hair. vogue every time you said this. I just it's like not, to do the hand. It's just really like dramatic sort of singing. Yeah. Just, like, really okay. feeling it. Every time Darby you said Sinead... You Yeah, I know, because no, that's just more interesting than doing like... No, I don't know that one. I know the name. You could burn a photo of the Pope. She did that on Saturday Night Live. Did she? Yeah, live on TV. Has she ever done a, a sample for a Bond film? Has she been in the running? I don't think so. Awkward. <laughs> All right. You really derailed that, didn't you? <laughs> <laughs> Am I to blame? Darby brought it up. Darby is always to blame. Fact check. Uh... My, <laughs> what my parents say. My, dubbing <laughs> down's not the top. Um, my number for this. Let me see. Um, look, I look, look, look. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed the first half, as I said, more than the second half. But I'll say it again. Yes, we've all I said enjoyed that. the first half more than the second half, and. What am I going to give it? Look, the, the chances are... Give it your best shot. The chances of me picking this up again are very slim. I think... Look, never say never. You didn't pick it up in the first place. <laughs> yeah. You know Stop what I mean. saying that. <laughs> I will probably... Never say never, though. But I will probably... Never consume another <laughs> Ian Fleming novel once I've read these once. I think the replay value for me is quite low. What if? What about if we wanted in fifty years' time to Trayvon revisited? 
And Darby, if I'm still friends with you in 50 years, I will... Mm. Well, let's just say hopefully I don't live that long. So you'll die a happy man because you will have been friends with Darby and me until uh, your dying day and we will uh, have both okay. outlived you even though we live way, way less healthy lifestyles than you. Now, Jake, you know, I'm going to call, yes. call bullshit on that because you have What's expressed that? many times before, maybe even on the podcast. I believe I so too. Your belief that you, you could potentially live forever. Yeah, second. You have, oh, you have a legitimate well, belief actually, that you may live forever. Yes, I do actually have a legitimate belief that I will live forever. I think uh, the work of uh, Harvard professor David Sinclair uh, <laughs> is quite incredible. Uh, I think we'll be 3D printing our organs by the end of the decade. Um, I give Goldfinger an eight. Hey, you bloody, we've an eight, okay, whatever. Jake, you uh, you got married between episodes. Yes, by the way. We didn't let anyone know. Oh, I you did are too. you are now you now Mister Wood. Oh, yes, Miss, I am Mister Spear. Oh, yeah, Mister Spear. Uh, that is me. Um, praise be. Praise be. We were there. You guys were there. We were, we were there. there. We were standing standing beside you. Yeah. You were. Had you to fight off me? the had to fight off the paps. No, this is a yeah. private event. Please. I know the tabloids were climbing over the fences they trying were. to uh, tap us all. No, it was good. I ate all the cake. I, I saved no leftovers for my wife. She was very annoyed with me. Honeymoon um, in lockdown. Yes, yes. Hasn't been the greatest honeymoon. I think actually what's going to happen is that the honeymoon will, <laughs> Leanne will go away separately, away from me uh, <laughs> to spend some time alone. <laughs> Get out of my life. Well, congratulations to our to our one and only Mr. Spear. Yes. Oh, now Thank Mr. You. Thank you. Thank Congrats. you very much. Oh, that's pretty sweet. I said it on the day. I'm just doing this for the podcast. This is just for the people. I don't yeah. care. The novelty's I worn off for me. Oh, marriage. Oh, oh. Yeah, no one's done that before. Oh, come on. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> Who's next? Darby. Look out. Yeah, next October. Dun, 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 dun. Anyway, this might be cut out because this is all babble. Let's no, go. no, I like to keep this stuff in. This is the you stuff like I it. keep. Oh, I cut this... the reviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this is, yeah, this yeah. is what people stay. This is what they said at the start. This is why people stay. 100%. Number one podcast in the world. All markets. Yep. <laughs> I don't know where you're getting this. I'm getting this. From... I, I keep getting emails from people who are like, you are the number one podcast in the world you have the most listeners in the world. Fan, and if you pay $15 a week, which I do, you will stay the number one podcast in the world. <laughs> Mate, I, uh, I, I think... Uh, we are doing... I, no, no, we are doing that without having even released... We've released two episodes this year. So they're just telling... They're Joe just Rogan releases that, weekly... Yeah. So does I would all stop paying them. that money immediately. No, we are the number yeah. one podcast in the world. Not just James Bond, not just movies, television. The world. Oh. <laughs> Mickey Rooney. <laughs> <laughs> what have we done? Yeah. <laughs> We're cooked. <laughs> We're cooked. We are. What are we doing next time? When is next time? Well, we'll see. Pause.
Oh, Where's he gone? I thought he would never leave. Hello. Should we? Let's just sit out of frame for when Almost. he comes back. Should we? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Jake, I can see your arm. What? No, you can't. Oh. What about now? You're good. Okay. Oh, they've... Yes. Well, you can pop up now. Yeah, there they are. There they are. Hey, there you go. <laughs> hey. Oh, we played a little trick uh, on you. You Just played a little, a little trick. trick. Just a little sneaky trick because we disappeared when you left. So That's right. Cool. And when I came back, I thought that you had, had gone. We'd left you. Yeah. That was good. Yeah. What were you doing? I was going to find the um what the categories were for the top fives that we have left. Oh, oh. we're doing a top five, are we? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I what couldn't are we find, top five? No, I couldn't you find, find them. You didn't find them. I didn't find them. Ah. Oh, okay, so right. what we could do is yeah. um so I could, I could cut this bit out and not show it to people. And we could, we could pretend to be mysterious and be like, next week we've got a very special episode for you. Something you've never seen before. This is the number one podcast in the world. Trey Bond. Something like that. I would just use that. I don't think we need to run it again. Oh, I could just, yeah, run the audio of that. Just and, use that. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds pretty good to me. Suckers. 15 bucks a week for this. Can you believe it? Bargain. Bargain. A week? A week. a week. Yeah, yeah, a week. US, 15 US a week. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because they've got your card number and stuff now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Lucy was concerned about the... She was like, $15 a week? What's what's going on here? What's this? And I was like, don't worry. This thing's paying the bills. Is it? Are we generating any money? Not yet, but we are the number one podcast in the world, so... But you would think that there'd be something out of that. I'm kind of kickback sponsorship or... Well, I think eventually Spotify will be like, these guys are the... We sh should have spent $100 million on these guys. Yeah. Yeah. 